Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Well, it's a great pleasure to have a good friend of mine here today. Uh, Sujith is here from Berisa Edmonds, and he just got married as well, just a few weeks ago, was it? I don't know, a couple of months ago. Well, anyway, you can tell us. To Reshmi, who is sitting here as well, enjoying the temperature of England. No end. And uh, so why don't you put your hands together, come and just share God's word with us. And I hand over to you. It's good to see you, mate. <laughs> Welcome to the Baptist Church. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, good afternoon, everyone. It's, it's great to be back here again. Uh, and uh, yeah, first time I'm here with my wife. So uh, my wife, Reshmi, got married uh, on the 18th of August this year. Uh, she is an aircraft maintenance engineer by profession. And uh, she is now uh, living with me in Barry St. Edmunds. She uh, grew up in Qatar and uh, moved to this country not so long ago. Um, so it's a great pleasure and a privilege to be here. Uh, what time do we have to be out here again? Half past four, was it? Half four twenty? Quarter to five. Okay. Okay, great. Um, just before I go into what uh, I feel God uh, has laid on my heart to share, and I feel he has laid a very specific particular message to share with all of you. So sit here expectant, will you? Because I am a great believer in the fact that God fills hungry hearts. Uh, that there is something of God's grace and his anointing and his gifting that is released when there is an atmosphere of expectation and hunger. There is, there is something to that. So please sit here expectant because today could be a moment that changes your life forever. Not because I'm here, but because God has a word for you and that word can be significant. But be- before I, I um, uh, open the pages of the Bible and speak to you from there, uh, while I was worshipping, I just felt God uh, lay it in my heart to share something with this church. And uh, this, is, this is a word for all of you. And I say this in love. Uh, please take it on board. Peter hasn't set me up for this. I haven't even talked to him about this. It's Christmas time, and uh, we we uh, we we see a lot of things in the media, on television, in our families uh, about gifts, and uh, uh, we buy gifts for our family. Um, but it's it's, it's, one, it's it's important once in a while to remember. Uh, the gifts God has given us, not just at Christmas time. For example, we have the gift of life, don't we? We have breath in our nostrils, and it's important to remember that because we have that on an everyday basis. Uh, we have, some of us have tasted the gift of salvation. We know what it means to be loved by God and have our sins forgiven and be accepted uh, by a loving Heavenly Father. Uh, one of the things that I want to talk to you uh, before I go into the Bible is that we should remember that one of the gifts God has given us uh, are church leaders. And I say that unashamedly. At the book of Ephesians chapter 4, he says, the gifts he gave to the body that was that some would be prophets, some would be apostles, some would be evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And I, and I believe... Uh, Peter is a gift to the body of Christ. He's not just an appointment. He's not just here to clock in his hours, but he is primarily a gift to us. 
And as I was worshipping, I felt God say to me that I need to say that, if that's all right, Peter. That, Peter, you are a gift to the body of Christ. And we honor you, we honor that gift, because honoring a gift shows that we are honoring the giver of the gift. Uh, and it's God that has given this gift to this body of Christ. So can I say that to King's Church with all my love? This is a gift to you. Take care of your gifts. Yeah, Pray for your gifts. Honor your gifts. Appreciate your gifts. Bless your gifts. Forgive your gifts when he goes wrong sometimes, if he does. But uh, honor him. Because honoring a gift shows that you are honoring the giver. I want to talk to you today from the book of Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. And verse 11 to 19. Luke chapter 17 verses 11 to 19. If you have your Bibles, please turn there. If you don't have a Bible, please find a seat next to somebody who does. Um, If you're still trying to find Luke, say, wait for me. We're all there? Good. Very short story. Just want to uh, share a few lessons from it. Luke chapter 17 verses 11 19. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. As they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, Were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Shall we close our eyes in prayer? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the anointing to communicate your truth. I thank you for the opportunity to be here, O God. I thank you for every single person who is here that you have known from the time they were born. In fact, you knew them even before they were born. You chose them at the foundations of the world. Father, I thank you that everyone here is precious in your sight. I pray in Jesus' name as we spend the next few moments listening to your word, listening to your voice. I pray, God, please help us to hear what the Spirit has to say to us. Father, open our eyes that we may see. Open our ears that we may hear. Open our mind that we may understand. I bind and rebuke every work of the devil that causes us to be uh, distracted by the distractions of the body, of the mind, of the surrounding. Let the focus this afternoon be upon Jesus and Jesus alone. Let the name of Jesus be exalted in this church, in our lives, in this community for the name, for, for your name's sake. Thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit here. I ask you in Jesus' name to speak with power, to speak with purpose, to speak with clarity, and to speak specifically. Thank you, God, that you are here and you are going to do a new work in some hearts. Hearts that are broken, I pray you will heal this afternoon. Hearts that are wounded, I pray you will bind up this afternoon. Hearts that are Fearful, I pray you will fill with faith this evening. 
I thank you, God, that you are able to do all that and more. In Jesus' name, amen. The Bible says this, that Jesus was going to Jerusalem. And uh, he was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. Now, a question for you. Why was Jesus going to Jerusalem? Jesus was going to Jerusalem because he was going uh, to die on the cross. That was where he was eventually going to be handed over to the chief priests. And he would be handed over to and betrayed by some of his closest friends. And he would uh, then be stripped naked, hung on a Roman cross between two thieves. And he would eventually die a very painful and a, a messy death. He was going to Jerusalem because this was God's divine plan. And God had been planning this for years and years and years and years. Since the beginning of time, the Bible says that Jesus was the Lamb of God slain from the foundations of the world. That that means God had this in his mind for a very long time. It was very important on God's agenda. It was also very important on the human agenda because if you look at human history, no other event has shaped history more than the death, burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It was that important. And he was going there, he was going to Jerusalem. And as he was going to what was perhaps the most important event in all of history, my Jesus had time to stop and talk to lepers. My Jesus had time to stop and talk to lepers. It fascinates me because sometimes in my work, in our work, we get busy and we get uh, really caught up in things that are important. And we sometimes feel we don't have time for that which is meager, that which is lowly, that which is broken. But I'll tell you here, every single person here, I'll tell you this, God has time for you. You are not too unimportant for God, if I can say that. You are important for God. And as I was praying and considering what to bring, I felt God say to me, and I'm sharing that here this this afternoon, listen, you are important to God. We we can be tricked into thinking that God has uh, big plans, and He does, that God has important things to do, and He does. But listen, He has time for you. He may be on his way to Jerusalem, but He had time to stop and talk to lepers, those who were considered outcasts in society at that time, he still had time for them. I'll tell you this today, God has time for you. God has time for you. You are here this afternoon, but I'll tell you this, God is here and he's wanting to meet with you and he's wanting to come into your life, change your experience, because he considers you to be part of his agenda as well. Sometimes we can go through life thinking, well, God has big things in plan. He wants to save the world. He has to take care of a lot of things. But uh, maybe my my issues are not too big and, and I shouldn't really bother God with them. I'll tell you, that's a lie from the devil. God has time for you. And some of you who have been, ru- been ruling yourself out thinking, I'm not important enough. I'm not really qualified enough. I'm not accepted enough. I've been pushed out. I feel on the periphery. I'll tell you this. God has time for you. He stops on his way to Jerusalem. The most important thing that could ever happen in history. And talks to people that society says you shouldn't talk to. He looks at them and he says, 
nothing but they cry out to him and it says keeping their distance they called and said Jesus master have mercy on us have mercy on us he saw them and said go and show yourselves to the priest now I want you to imagine this with me okay I want you to imagine that my left hand side that part of this building is Jerusalem your right hand side my left hand side Jesus is going to Jerusalem the Bible says as he was going to Jerusalem imagine with me ten lepers approached him that shows me from scripture that the lepers and Jesus were traveling in opposite directions is that a is that a fair conclusion because it's not possible for one party to approach the other party if they're both traveling in the same direction so Jesus is going towards Jerusalem and 10 lepers are approaching him. And the 10 lepers keep their distance and cry out and say, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. And Jesus says to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. Now question to you, where are the priests? The priests are in Jerusalem. So they turn and start to walk in the direction of Jerusalem. In fact, what really happens is after they meet with Jesus, there is a change in the direction that they walk. Once upon a time, they were walking in a direction that was contrary to the direction that Jesus was walking. And after they come and say, Jesus, have mercy on us, they get up. And there is a realignment in their direction because they now start to walk the same path that Jesus is walking. I'll tell you this, one touch from Jesus is enough to change your direction. It is. One touch from Jesus is enough to change your direction. In fact, I'll tell you this, I'll be so bold as to say this, anybody in the history of the world who has had a genuine, authentic meeting with God has had a change in direction. You cannot meet with God. You cannot meet with the power of God. You cannot meet with the presence of God. You cannot meet with the word of God and ever be the same again because there will be a change in the direction that you take. I'll tell you this, just because of the fact that you are sitting here this afternoon and listening to the word of God, there will be a change in your direction because I'll tell you this, when you meet with Jesus, there is always a change. They get up. And they start walking towards Jerusalem. The Bible says that when they cried out to Jesus, they kept their distance. It's there in, in verse 13. Keeping their distance, they called out and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. You see, if you read the Old Testament, you'll realize that these guys were not even supposed to live where people usually live. They were supposed to live on the outer edges of town and and then there were systems in place so that they did not mingle with normal people because they were considered outcasts and so even as they are approaching Jesus they did not come near him the Bible says they kept their distance and cried Jesus master have mercy on them in their mind they kept a distance but I want to tell you today even though you keep a distance mercy has no distance the mercy of God has no distance they kept their distance because the Lord told them so. But mercy overruled the law because mercy covered the gap that the law kept. Jesus did not touch them. Jesus did not come near them. But when outcasts, according to the law, kept their distance 
and pleaded for mercy. Mercy covered a distance that law kept. I want to tell you today, you don't have to disqualify yourself because you feel you're not good enough. I feel there are several of you feel, sitting here thinking, but you don't know what I've done. You don't know how I've messed up. You don't know how what people think of me. You don't know how my reputation has gone for a toss because I've made some horrible mistakes. I should have known better. And now I feel like I want to keep a distance from God. Let me give out some very specific words. Some of you may be struggling with internet pornography. Some of you may be struggling with uh, addiction, secret addictions that nobody knows. Some of you may be struggling with, with unforgiveness and you feel that there is this barrier that's come between you and God and you think you're not good enough and you need to keep this distance. But I'll tell you what, the mercy of God will make up for the distance that you're keeping between you and God. There is no distance between you and God when the mercy of God comes into the equation. They kept their distance, but mercy didn't. Mercy didn't. You see, God in the Bible sometimes gives us pictures for us to understand what God looks like. Because we are human beings and our understanding is finite. Sometimes he has to speak to us in pictures for us to get what he is like. It is the will of God for him to reveal himself to us. But sometimes he reveals himself to us in, in stories, in parables, in pictures. And so that's why we, we, we find pictures uh, such as the hand of God. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Because he's trying to give us a picture in order for us to understand what it looks like. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro across the earth because it's giving us a picture to help us understand what God is doing he's just using illustrations and imagery that helps us to understand what God is like and so we see across the Bible about God's hand and his feet and his tongue and his eyes and his hair because it's somehow trying to communicate to us and help us understand what he's like what his heart is like and one of the pictures that God gives us in the Bible is, is the story of this father who had a son. We, we know him as the prodigal son. He went away from the father because he went and messed up and squandered his father's wealth and, and, and paid money to prostitutes and lived a, a very, uh, very not, 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 not a good life at all. And he comes back to the father and, and, and we see a picture of the father in the Bible running towards the sun it's a very rare picture because we see pictures across the bible of God speaking God looking God acting God lifting his hand but very rarely do we see a picture of God running one of the clear instances where God ran was when he had to make up for that distance that the son felt like he had to keep because he wasn't good enough and mercy ran and covered that distance while he was still far off i want to tell you today god is near he is not far away he understands you he knows you he is not angry he loves you and he has come to cover the gap that which you think you need to keep because you're not good enough
I'm just going to invite you just for a quick moment to close your eyes because I just feel the Holy Spirit speak very specifically to you. If you're here and you think, and you came here this afternoon saying, God, this is how I've been feeling for a very long time. I've been feeling like you're really, really, really far away because of the mess I've been in. And somehow I'm longing for that gap just to close. God sent me here for you just to tell you that the mercy of God covers for that which you think is too far. If that's you, can I ask you to do something really brave? Lift your hands up quickly and put it down. I want to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Lord, I pray for every one of these, my friends. You know them better than I do, my brothers and my sisters. People sitting here under the condemnation and the guilt of the law, of rules and regulations. I pray in Jesus' name, let mercy run towards them. Let mercy run towards them. Let guilt be removed and let there be a new beginning this afternoon. A new beginning this afternoon. In Jesus' name, I rebuke the spirit of guilt and condemnation. If anybody is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, all that is old is gone and everything is new. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Because the law of the spirit has set us free from the law of death. Thank you for the freedom in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for those of you who were honest and said, that was me. God comes to you today. They get up and they start going towards Jerusalem, towards the priests. And all ten of them start walking towards Jerusalem. Jesus is also walking in the same direction. They've kept a distance. And now they get up and start walking. The Bible says, as they went... They were made clean. As they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. I want to ask you a question. You see, when the ten lepers approached Jesus, the Bible says, they cried out to him. Everybody say that with me, cried. Cried. They cried out and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And the Bible says when one of them saw he was healed, he turned back and gave praise to God in a loud voice. And it, it made me ask myself this question. If we were to compare on the scales the volume of our cry and the volume of our praise, which would outweigh the other? Because sometimes when we, when we have problems, we're very good at coming to God and crying our heart out. And saying, God, I need help. I need a new job. I'm sick. Please heal me. I'm depressed. Please get me out. I'm hungry. I'm angry. I'm, I'm tired. I'm lonely. And, 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 and it's, it's, it's a big cry. But you see, sometimes God in His mercy and His grace comes to us, heals us, touches us, provides for us. And then when we have an opportunity to express how much we love Him and how grateful we are to Him, 
All of a sudden we become dignified, don't we? I do. But you see, this man let it rip. He says he cried out to God in a loud voice. I'm not here to say that praise should be loud or praise shouldn't be loud. That's not my point. My point is sometimes we just have to be as extravagant in our praise as we are in our crying. If you look on television, look it up on YouTube and, and, uh, and look, at, look at the clips, the, the video clips from the time the terrorist attack happened and, and, and the planes crashed into the World Trade Center. The two towers came crashing down. And you know, by the grace of God, some people made it out alive. And when they made it out alive, they were covered in smoke, they were covered in dirt. Some of their clothes were burnt. And I'll tell you this, I did not see a single person walking out dignified saying, oh, that was all right. Thank you, God. Everybody was saying, oh, I made it. I made it. I'm alive. It wasn't a lifestyle. It was just an expression from their heart to know that they could have died, yet they're alive. Can I tell you something? The Bible says we were all dead once. He's made us alive. And sometimes when we have an opportunity and the pastor comes up to the front or the leader comes up to the front and says, guys, come on, let's lift up our voices, let's worship. Or the worship leader says, come on, let's sing. Can I encourage you, church? Give it all you've got. Give it all you've got. Because we could have died. Some of the mistakes we've done, we could have long been wiped out from the face of the earth but God kept you alive for such a time as this because he has a purpose and a plan and an assignment over your life when the devil wanted to steal you kill you and destroy from you his grace kept you and sometimes that gratitude should be enough just to say God I'm going to praise you with all that I've got there's 10 of them the Bible says one of them turned around praising God In a loud voice. That shows me that uh, praise and worship is not really determined by whether the person next to you is praising or not. And uh, I'm not being critical here, but sometimes we can get into a consumer mentality when we can come to church and say, well... I want them to provide me with the best praise and worship possible. I want them to provide with me the best environment possible so I can thank God. I understand all that. There is something about a spirit of excellence and we should do that. But I'll tell you this, if you really are grateful to the God that saved you, to the God that healed you, there may be nine around you who don't praise you and it might not be an environment that's conducive or suitable to praise, but if you know that God has loved you, you'd praise him anyway. You would. You'd praise him anyway. You can be in a row in church and everybody around you just standing there, but you'd praise him because you know how much he means to you. You know how much God means to you. Because you see, when you have a real heart of gratitude, the environment really doesn't matter. One is to nine, what are the odds? He prays God anyway. He gets up 
and he turns around. You see that word in the Bible? The Bible says he turns around. Verse 15, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back praising God with a loud voice. So you were all picturing that with me. Imagine with me. So here's Jesus going to Jerusalem. You remember in the beginning, the lepers were approaching him in the opposite direction. And then there's a, there's a change in their direction because Jesus says, go and show yourself to the priests. And then all 10 of them realize they're healed. One of them turns around. You see, the first change in direction happened because Jesus told them so. The second change in direction, nobody had to tell him. It just so happened. Can I tell you a heart that's really filled with gratitude does not need a worship leader. I'm not against worship leaders. I I lead worship myself. I lead worship myself. Don't get me wrong. I play the guitar. I lead worship in church myself. I'm not knocking that. There is a ministry of worship leading in the church and that is precious and we need to honor that. But if you really knew how good God was to you, church, if you really knew how far He has brought you, you wouldn't need a cue. You wouldn't need anyone to wait and say, let's do it, and then you do it. You wouldn't need anyone to say, come on, lift your hands, you'd do it. You wouldn't need anyone to say, come on, let's sing, you'd sing anyway. You'd need, you wouldn't need anyone to say, come on, let's shout praises to God, you'd do it anyway. You'd need, you wouldn't need anyone to say, come on, clap your hands, you would do it anyway. Because when you realize that you've been set free, you've been changed, you've been saved, you've been delivered, you don't need a cue, you'll turn back and praise Him anyway. I'm telling you, King's Church, God's looking for worshippers like that. Extravagant. I praise God for the, for the new building and the upper room project and all the money and the finances and the resources God has provided for you. But can I, remember, can I remind you as a church to do this? When you move into that building and when you start worshipping God, when you're in that place, remember God has been good to you. And as you mark a new season, it is my prayer and my hope. And I prophetically declare that over this church, that one of the things that will change is not just a building, but there will be a change in the attitude of worship. Where there will be a dynamic, spontaneous, extravagant expression of worship. Not because anyone out there or up here is giving you a cue to do it. Not because the music is fantastic or the songs are the songs of your choice. But because people of God will realize the goodness of God in their lives. And they will decide to change direction anyway. Even if people around them aren't doing it. Can I, say an amen? Can I hear an amen to that? Amen. He turns around praising God in a loud voice. And the Bible says he came. And prostrated himself at the feet of Jesus. I want you to picture the first picture with me. They kept a distance, didn't they? When they were not healed, when they were still lepers, there was a distance between them and Jesus. That's when they cried out and said, Jesus, have mercy on me. They start walking towards the priests who are in Jerusalem. One bloke turns back and the Bible says he prostrated himself where? At the feet of Jesus, there's no distance there this time. There's no distance there this time. Can I ask you this question? Has the blessing of God urged you to draw near to Him? Or has it drawn you further away from Him?
there is a warning that God gives in the Old Testament. He says to the nation of Israel, he says, Listen, when you come into this land that's flowing with milk and honey and you receive all these good things I'm going to give you, please don't forget the Lord your God. Have you read that? Please don't forget the Lord your God. Some of you were sick, God healed you. Some of you were just going off the rails, God restored you. Some of you didn't have a job, God provided you with job and with money. Some of you were lonely and God provided you with family. Can I encourage you, let that inspire you to seek the feet of Jesus again. There was a distance once when he was crying. But when he was giving thanks, there was none. There was none. He came and prostrated himself at the feet of Jesus. I like getting new things. A new shirt, new car, new house maybe. And uh, when I was a kid more so. But uh, I think everybody to, to, to an extent. When you get something new, you, you really take care of it, don't you? Like uh, if you've got a new toy, I remember when I was young. Just make sure you took care of it, you cleaned it well, shined it nicely, made sure nothing happened to it. Same with new clothes, just want to make sure the ironing is right, the washing's right. After a while the novelty wears off. But when something's new, you want to make sure it's dust free, safe and treasured. And as I was reading the pages of this of my bible and going through the story i read something and i noticed something that shocked me the bible says this man came and prostrated himself at the feet of jesus he has just received brand new skin and what does he do he goes and makes it dirty he falls down at the feet of jesus I don't know if any of you have been to the east, but I have. The streets there are not tarred and it's not really clean and, and spotless. Those are muddy roads. And I'll tell you what, in those days, if you prostrated yourself on the ground, your body was sure to get dirty. He receives brand new skin and within a few moments, the very skin that he's got new, he comes back and lays it on the floor, gets dirt on it, and I said to him, you're crazy, man. If I were you, I'd take better care of my skin. Maybe go to Tesco, buy me a bottle of oil of Olay. Put it on my skin, take care of it, because you know why? I've just got a miracle. But he comes, lays down in the ground at the feet of Jesus, thanking him. You know what that shows me? It shows me that the person who blessed me is more important than the blessing that he gave me. The person who blessed you is more important than that what he gave you. Jesus is more important than the healing that Jesus gave. Jesus that gave you a job is more important than the job that Jesus gave. Jesus gave you a family, but I'll tell you this. The Jesus that gave you the family is more important 
and the family. I think it was Solomon in the Bible who said, when wealth increases, set not your heart upon them. And there is a temptation when God blesses us for us to be more concerned about our skin than to give thanks. I admire this man who just receives new skin and goes and throws it on the ground and gives thanks to Jesus, prostrates himself at the, at, at the feet of Jesus. It's a really challenging message, but I want to I wanna challenge King's Church this afternoon, if that's all right. Can I encourage you not to be tight-fisted with that which God has given you. But to consider Jesus more important than the blessings he has given you. Let it go freely. It will come back to you. Bless this church with your time, with your effort, with your finances. Don't hold on tight to it. It's God who gave it to you anyway. Show God that he is more important than that which he gave you. Be generous to this church with your time. Be generous to this church with your money. Be generous to this church with your effort, with your commitment, with your faithfulness. And the temptation is to think, no, 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 I can't do that. I'll get, I'll get dirt on my skin. It'll cost me. I'll tell you what, it will cost you. It will. But it doesn't matter because God is more important. It is him who we worship, not the gifts that he gave us. I hope you take that on board and I say that in love and I only say that because I feel God urging me to encourage you as a church to be extravagant and lavish and generous once again with everything God has given you for the sake of Christ that the name of Jesus may be lifted up. He comes to the feet of Jesus and thanked him in a loud voice. And Jesus says, We're not ten made clean, but the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Jesus asks three questions. Question number one. Say that with me. Question number one. We're not ten made clean. Question number two. The other nine, where are they? Question number three, was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? You see, I'm amazed that Jesus left out the detail of how he praised Jesus. He praised Jesus in a loud voice, didn't he? But what Jesus really noted was the fact that he returned to praise, not the fact that he was loud. Was none of them found to return and give praise except this foreigner? I'm hoping and I'm praying and I'm trusting in God that there will be a change in our hearts where God will delight at a turning around of our hearts where we will praise him extravagantly once again. He doesn't really, Jesus doesn't really say, oh, I'm, I'm glad it was loud. He's just happy that he returned. He's just happy that he returned. You see, Jesus is not so much 
uh, occupied about the style of worship as much as he is with the heart of worship. Because loudness is a style, but returning of a heart is the core issue. There's a, there's a place in the Bible where Jesus says about some people, he says, these guys, they worship me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. The heart of worship is more important to God than your lips. That's why you see one day I'm looking forward to this. I will be in heaven and they will be with me. People who have worshipped God in the underground church in China. And people who have worshipped God in the most magnificent cathedrals in England. People who have worshipped God to hymns. In the 16th and the 17th century, people have worshipped God to Hillsong United and heavy music in the 21st century. But I'll tell you this, in heaven there will be no disharmony because it will not be about how we worship, but who we worship. I'm all for keeping with the times and I think we need to be sensitive to that because it reaches our generation and we need to be sensitive as to how God is leading us. But... The heart is way more important than the style. And Jesus honors that. I want to talk about these three questions and I will conclude in exactly four or five minutes. Three questions. Question number one, where not ten made clean? Question number two, the other nine, where are they? Question number three, was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? I realized reading these questions that God is an accountant. My sister is a chartered accountant. And she keeps a very close eye on numbers. What's gone, what's come in, what's left. These are the questions an accountant, an auditor would ask a company, an organization. Question number one, what's the number of blessings I released? Where not ten made clean? Ten. Question number two, I see that there's a lot of blessings for which praise has not been given. The other nine, where are they? Question number three, was none of them found to return and give thanks except this foreigner? So the answer to question number one is ten. The answer to question number two is nine. The answer to question number three is one. One plus nine equals ten. When I was young, they used to sing a song in church and went like this. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Have you heard that song? It talked about us counting our blessings. It probably comes from the book of Psalms where it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. I read the story and I realized that it's not just us that should not forget his blessings. But God doesn't forget his blessings. God is keeping tabs on the number of people he healed, on the number of thanksgiving that was not done, if I can say that, and the one person who did give thanks. Hmm. What if, just a thought, what if God has been keeping tab of your life, of your church, of your community, of your ministry, of your family. And he's looking at me and he's saying, mm, that's Sujit there. Did I not release ten? He's given me thanks for one. The other nine, where are they? I wonder if he's asking that. 
wonder if he's asking that. I don't know if he is, but it just shows something about the heart of Jesus, doesn't it? Perhaps he is. And what strikes me the most is this. Jesus says, was none of them found? Everybody say that with me, found. Found to return and give thanks except this foreigner. You can't find something unless you've been searching for it. That's the word in the original text, found. He's seeking for it. He's seeking for people who are willing to give glory to God and say, God, we're doing good now, but it was all because of you. God, we're healed now, but it was all because of you. God, we're safe now, but it's all because... I'll tell you this, the heart of God is seeking for that. And today as I conclude, can I remind you, church, God is looking for that. God is looking for a heart of worship. He's looking for a heart of gratitude. And as, I, as you move, uh, guys, from, from this place into your new building, as you move into 20, from 2012 to 2013, I declare this prophetically over this church. If you get this right, it will shape your church in a way you've never seen before. If you will get this right, if you will get gratitude to God right, if you will get extravagant worship right, it will attract the presence of God in a way you've never felt before. It will cause the sick to be healed. It will cause those who are bound to be released. And it will cause a new freedom in your family and in your community. Because the Bible says this, wherever the Son of Man is lifted up, I will draw all men unto him. And so the key I am releasing today to this church through the Holy Spirit is this. If your heart is longing for all men to be drawn unto him in this community, start by lifting his name up first because my Jesus is looking for something like an auditor would. Did I not make ten clean? The other nine, where are they? Was only this person found to return and give thanks? He says to this one person, get up, go on your way. Your faith has made you well. While the other nine went behind a certification from a priest to re-enter society, because that's what they had to do under the law. Jesus says to this man, go on your way. He doesn't say to him, go to the priests. You know why? Because a heart that extravagantly worships God is a recipient of divine exclusions. The nine people got a certificate from a priest and one person got a recommendation from the high priest. He said, go your way. Thank you for listening and we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.